This is Tom Hess, and thanks for joining us at Conversations at the Lab, where we speak with leaders from sports business and higher education about leadership and how it informs what they do. I have thought over the past couple of months how I can understand what's going on in our society today. And that means two things. One, to listen to our leaders and honor Black Lives Matter and all of the racism and social and societal injustices that we see today. And number two is to understand how the pandemic has upended, really upended college life as we know it, college athletics certainly, and on a bigger picture, society as a whole. So I want to welcome our two guests today who I'm delighted are here. Two leaders from McAllister College in St. Paul, Donnie Brooks, who was the director of athletics, and Abe Waldeslesi, who is the head men's basketball coach there. Um, I am sure both of you are busy people with all of the things that are going on with your school, um, what's going to happen with college athletics, and I'm sure people are interested in your views and your insights about what's going on. So to both of you, thank you for being here today and spending some time with us. Happy to be here. Thank you for having us, Tom. Thanks, Tom. Thank you, Tom. My pleasure. So as we said about the pandemic, it has um, upended certainly college life as we know it, and you guys know it very, very well. And I am sure as you are making plans uh, for the fall, deciding what you're going to do, um, what college athletics is going to happen, we know that life is going to change dramatically for your students and your student athletes. Might you give us a bit of an update about what's happening at McAllister? Um, I, I'll just start by saying uh, that, you know, we, we've seen challenges in, in our time as uh, coaches, administrators, as players even, uh, but I don't think we've ever seen a challenge quite like a pandemic and the impact that it's, it's having on athletics today. Um, I read an article um, or, uh, you know, a, a blog post that, uh, about who and which schools uh, had already announced that they were not competing this fall. And uh, I think the challenge that you see in college athletics, so there's some schools who can afford to make the call, and they made the call weeks ago uh, that, they, that they weren't going to have a, a competition this fall. But um, I think particularly for McAllister, we've always made really measured and really thoughtful decisions, and we don't feel like we needed to rush to a decision to cancel the fall. So as of right now, competition is still an option. Uh, but the reality for every athletic director around the country is we're, we're watching, we're waiting to see, we're waiting for information from uh, our dep local departments of health, state department of, uh, of health, the CDC, and we're making decisions both conference-wide and institution-wide that are in the best interest of our students. So although we would love to play, uh, I'll be on a, on, a, on a call tonight with our student athletes and their families where I have to say, if competition is the only thing, um, then, then we're not really doing our job. So our job is, is to develop the, the student athlete and we're gonna do that regardless of whether we play or not. But uh, competition is gonna be a challenge this year. Uh, so we can't put all of our uh, thought all of our energy in competition, um, but we will put it in the development of our student athlete, whether that be leadership development, whether that be um, supporting them in their endeavors, both on and off the court, 
uh, we're, we're really trying to build leader, leaders for life and competition will just be a part of that. Um, but it will look totally different for, for teams this year. Yeah. Abe, if I can ask you, um, sort of interfacing with your team members, what's that been like? And what are you hearing from them? What is it they really want? What do they yearn for? You know, tell us how they're feeling. Yeah, thanks, Tom. And, and Donnie had some great thoughts there. But yeah, I, I think honestly, there's a little bit of unease, right? I mean, these are college students, they're 18 to 21 years old, and uh, they want to play. And I think, of course, as coaches, we want to, but we, we got to be safe, and, and we got to do it in a safe manner. And so we have you know, a lot of our students are not in Minnesota. So we've, we've done plenty of Zoom calls. We have a team group me where, you know, we text each other and, um, and I've been checking in and, um, and I'm, I think, you know, we have new president, President Rivera and uh, Donna Lee, who's our, our VP of Student Affairs and Donnie, they've done a great job of um, kind of just keeping us updated, but the virus has a mind of its own, right? Like we, we can't, I think Dr. Fauci said, you know, the virus will tell us what to do. And so we have to be patient and it, it's hard. Um, I was joking with Donnie like a week ago, I, I said my eighth grade teacher told me patience is a virtue and that's a virtue that I'm not, I don't always have. And, and it's something that I'm challenging myself and we got to challenge our athletes. So um, yeah, it, it is difficult, but we know we're not in a vacuum and it's not just us. I mean, this is a worldwide thing and it's not just McAllister dealing with it. It's every college in the country. So um, I think patience is of utmost importance, and I, I say that to myself more than anyone because I, I know it's it's just something that that we need right now. Understandable. That's well well said uh, to both of you. One thing I heard was that sort of this time of uncertainty, and then the second thing, Donnie, you said, which resonated with me, is sort of developing leaders for life. I'll sort of sort of change directions a bit. What brought both of you to McAllister? Why are you there? Because I like the idea of developing, being thoughtful in everything that you do, and also developing leaders for life. That was really cool. Hey, but I'll let you start. You got a, a long. <laughs> I'll, I'll try to. I, I could talk to you for two hours about this, Tom. But no. So, McAllister is home for me. This is. I grew up in Minneapolis, uh, twenty minutes from from our campus, and I went to McAllister. I, I played here. I wore the jersey and. You know, I don't want to go too much into my background, but, you know, I've coached at a few other Division One schools, and like we talked about before at Bowdoin, and you start to realize, and, and as you get older, you start to think, well, why do you do what you do? Why do I coach? And for me, it's to, I wanted to be at an amazing school. Um, I wanted to be in a city. That was something that was really important, and, and I really wanted to have a chance to win, and I felt like I had all three at McAllister. So, uh, like we talked about earlier, I was at Siena College for two years, and the job at McAllister opened up and, uh, you know, it, it just felt like it was time to come home. I'd been away for 10 years. Uh, I believe in the values of the college. I felt like the experiences I had up to that point, even though I'd never been a head coach, had prepared me to be a head coach. And, and like I said, the timing was right. So, uh, and you, I got back. And even though it had been 10 years since I'd been in school, uh, there are a lot of familiar faces, campus, you know, a few new buildings, but campus more or less looked the same and um, and I just saw a lot of opportunity you know I felt that you know McAllister is a top 20 to 25 liberal arts school and I felt that our men's basketball program should reflect that uh, in time and so uh, yeah some of the reasons thank you thank you Wade if 
How about you, Donnie? Um, similar to Abe, I think uh, the thing that we share is, is we believe, like we have this deep down belief in our core that if we work hard enough and if we do this the right way, that McAllister can be a winner. And I just, I've always known of McAllister growing up. Uh, my best friend's parents were both McAllister graduates. And because I respected them so deeply, I always have thought of McAllister uh, as a great institution. And so, uh, Abe took the job here while I was at uh, Millsaps down in Jackson, Mississippi. And I tried to hire Abe while he was at Siena. And he was like, no, I'm not going down to Jackson. (laughs) But when the job came open at McAllister, I think you can look at McAllister as one of the few schools where their academic standing did not like match up with their director's cup standing. If you know about the, the Learfield director's cup, uh, they, uh, basically give scores uh, for championship performances, team who, teams who go on to compete at the, the NCAA tournament. And McAllister had, had done well and had pockets of success, but never had the comprehensive success that you see uh, at other schools like McAllister. And so uh, it always leads you to ask the question, why or why not? And um, and knowing that the job was open, I saw it as one of the, the greatest jobs in the country. It had the facility um, when I came and interviewed, it had the people. Um, and so you, you think about w- what does it take? And I, I really felt, um, uh, more importantly, a connection to uh, the mission, you know, uh, internationalism, multiculturalism, service to society, excellence in education. And so um, I'd, I'd really started to fall in love with the liberal arts experience while I was at Williams and then moving on to Dartmouth and then Millsaps College. I thought McAllister was a great place to to go and take on a project of of building uh, towards comprehensive excellence. Yeah, kudos to both of you uh, guys. Um, thank you for your thoughts on that because it's uh, it's very important to understand how our leaders think about why they are where they are, not just what you're doing, but why they're there. So that was very thoughtful uh, from both of you. Thank you. Um, Sort of on a broader picture, you know, we all read a lot in the papers about the financial impact on college athletics and as well on colleges. Can you talk to us a little bit about what has been or what is the impact financially on McAllister athletics if it has had an impact? And Tom, are you talking in particular about COVID, uh, COVID's impact? Yeah, how COVID firstly has that because, you know, we have a desolate campuses, kids are not there. What has there been an impact? Yeah, I think if um, reading about the impact on small colleges across our country, um, McAllister is no different than most schools. You know, we're not uh, we're not getting revenue from selling football tickets here. You know, we, we depend on um, on tuition and room and board and our alumni giving to, to support that mission. And I think COVID has had a widespread impact probably in, in so many areas, but athletically, um, you know, because we're not charging for students to come to games, we stream every game. If you play a home contest that McAllister, a parent can watch. And I think a part of that is our responsibility um, but I think one of the challenges in higher ed as a whole is um, if you look at small colleges and the price tag on small colleges and students who are studying away, 
there's a question that is um, that you see uh, from students across the country is, should I be, am I receiving the same education if my education is online? And I think you start to see colleges push back a little bit and say, um, yes, you do, because I, I'll tell you at McAllister, we didn't change. Well, I will say, what, what we provide our students while they're here, we just found a way to deliver that to our students wherever they were. We called it thriving in place. We were still providing yoga sessions, nutrition sessions. Our sports psychologists uh, still met with our students on a one-on-one and in, and, and in groups. You know, we did not um, stop what we were doing. Um, we actually found a way to deliver that and meet our students where they were at the time. And so I think for colleges, I think we all, like this is a service industry still. We still have to show and improve our value. And I think that's a part of when we talk about developing leaders for life at a school um, where you just stop sports and your experience is over. I, I think you could ask that question of, is this valuable or what is the value of this? Um, but I think at, at schools who are, are really mission focused, like it, it doesn't change just how we deliver it yeah. changes. It. Well, well said, you know, uh, to that point, Abe, I might this question to you. Uh, much of what I think Donna you're talking about is sort of the sort of the student athlete experience. What does that look like now? What does it feel like now that the students aren't on campus here? Abe, from, from your perspective, um, interfacing with your teammates, I'm sure many other people, but how do you think about the student athlete experience and sort of what also are you hearing from your team members? Have you rethought how you thought and think about the student athlete experience? Yeah, I, I think we have to be as creative as possible. And I, I don't, you know, I tell our team, we don't make excuses. And I know this is a challenging time for all of us, like we said, but um, I've really challenged. So we, we named two captains, uh, right after our season ended and, and we had the players vote. And so the idea is, you know, we talk about it with our guys a lot. You know, high school basketball is, you know, we say it's boys basketball, college basketball is men's basketball. And so my job as a head coach is to, to Donnie's point earlier, build leaders now. So once they graduate, they're ready to take off. And so um, our two captains, Jackson Hennyfield, Gabby Ramos, are really, we've had a lot of talks and I've asked them to find their voice throughout this time because I think uh, especially when we have these team zoom meetings, it's easy for me to talk and all the players just listen and it's one voice, but I've tried to at times remove myself from it and encourage Jackson and Gabby to lead. And so um, it's just the truth. When the head coach is in the room, there's going to be a different vibe. And, and I think when the head coach can step away, others have to step up. And so we've had other uh, friends of mine come on the call. Um, actually recently, John Thomas, who's the, VP of basketball operations for the Minnesota Timberwolves. And uh, he came and spoke to them and I wasn't on the call. So they could, they could be open and they could say what they felt. And uh, the more that they can build trust, even though we're not person to person, you know, John Thomas even said, when you're, when we're doing zoom, I can see you, there's a level of trust that's built. If, if you're on mute all the time, or you have your photo and not your face, that trust isn't as built. So um, we've, again, with John, with Jackson, with Gabby, um, encourage them to lead and encourage them to have a voice. And uh, is it perfect? No, but this is where we are today. And, and it's not necessarily where we'll be tomorrow or a week from now or a month from now. So um, 
just really encourage them to do the best we can with where we are today and worry about tomorrow when we get there. Well, good, Donnie. Um, I also wanted to add, you know, in this, in this time, um, our coaches have really been the workhorses. So as an administrator, I talk about these administrative things, uh, but the coaches are the glue that actually make this all work. So during this time, as soon as our students left in the spring, our coaches were regularly in communication with our kids, if not daily, weekly, if not weekly, biweekly, not only individuals, not only in, in individual meetings, but also in team meetings, uh, ensuring that their athletes stayed connected to something. Uh, also a part of that was they had to complete the recruiting process virtually. And I think a part of what we found is that um, the benefit to what we're doing is not only are we, we inspiring our current group of leaders, but we have the ability to impact the next uh, group of leaders. There are students two and three years out of high school who are now in communication because they're worried about missing their high school season and how it's going to impact the recruiting process for them. Um, for, for our committed kids to be able to jump on calls with their coaches and future teammates, for future students to be able to connect with their coaches has really shown the importance of the mentoring um, and, and the power of connectivity that our, our coaches have here. You know, Donnie, you um, echo something that I was going to say, which is just that, you know, recruiting and how does that figure into this whole sort of time of separateness, of isolation, of doubt, of uncertainty, especially of high school athletes who, who the heck, how am I going to connect with Coach Walter Lessey? How am I going to do that? So to your guys' point, um, um, it leads me into my sort of next portion of our discussion, which I think is so appropriate, Abe, especially what you said about one's voice. And it's, it is different when the coach is there, I am sure. When the director of athletics is there, but the voice doesn't quite sort of speak out maybe the way it wants to. But I read a quote recently that I thought was, to me, very interesting. It was very simple. And it said, sports is a driver and an advancer of society. And when I thought about that, two things occurred to me. It became apparent to me. One was that we see professional athletes, we see college student athletes using their platforms, whatever those are, whether it's on a Zoom call, as you said, whether it's an email, whether it's in social media, in a very powerful way to sort of express themselves about things that are important to them, about the change and action they want to see as a result of what's happening today with Black Lives Matter and a host of things that are associated with that. So picking up on what both of you said, Abe, I'll start with you. Um, what's your thinking around student athletes and allowing them to have their voice? Yeah, I think this is, and, and a big reason why I'm a college basketball coach is this is such an important time in their lives. Again, I'm dealing with 18 to 21 or 22 year old young men and they're away from home for the first time and they're not under their parents' roof and they're, they're really just trying to find themselves academically, athletically, religiously, socially, spiritually, all that. And they don't always know, right? They're going to make mistakes, right? They're human. We're all human, but um, it's a chance where they can make mistakes and they're allowed to grow. And that's um, going to be important for them down the line. And so I get them, I get them for four years if I'm lucky, and then they're going to graduate and move on. And so it's a chance for me to try to instill things that I think are really important, but it's, it's for them to figure out 
what they find is important. And I think especially because we're, Donnie and I are both at McAllister, we talk about this a lot of, uh, with recruits and, and parents, but, you know, we have students from all 50 states. We have students this past year from 97 different countries at a school that only has 2,100 students. That's like mind boggling. And so you're, you're going to whatever you thought was true when you were at home, now you're on campus and you're going to be surrounded in, in the dorms, in the dining halls, when you're competing, when we're traveling, you're going to be surrounded by people that don't always think like you and don't always look like you and don't always speak like you. And that's healthy. Cause I think that's not only going to maybe reinforce what you already believe, but it's in a lot of ways, it's going to change how you think and it's going to open your eyes and, um, and I think that's an amazing thing. And that was true for me. And I only, you know, I only was 20 minutes away from campus, right? I, I was in Minneapolis, McAllister, and St. Paul, but I had a student, students on my team from Nepal, Taiwan, Romania, um, and, and all over the U.S. There are only a few guys from Minnesota. So, um, yeah, they're, again, they're, they're students and they're going to make mistakes and that's okay, but um, it, it's a great time to do that. And that's, that's where growth happens. So, um, yeah. so yeah. So this, this, it's a time. Donnie, thoughts on that? Um, I, I, you know, I think some people thought it was a joke, but when I say um, activism is the 21st sport at McAllister, that, that's only because on some days activism is more important than basketball, as, uh, as I think, you know, our students and our coaches will find out um, or, or, or have seen. Um, we have a lot of students, when we talk about finding your voice, McAllister is not a place where many of them, um, not only do they find their voice, they're, they're using it actively. And so I think the expectation out of McAllister is that our students um, understand that we have a privilege and we want to, to take on that, that, that role and use it to empower communities. And so a couple things that I, I think I've just been impressed with or it is just affirmed to me that McAllister uh, is the kind of school and the kind of students I want to work with. Um, we have a, uh, a student group here, um, our Black Lives Matter group at McAllister, and uh, they mobilized um, pretty quickly um, when we needed an answer for the community. We needed to say, how are we going to help take care? Sorry, my coworkers. My coworkers are in the back. Did you hear that? Cheerleader, I'm with you. Um, but uh, they collected food items, and when I went to um, for the collected food items for our open pantry, and when I went to the open pantry that day, uh, half of the students out there working were students I recognize as student athletes, and that makes you really happy. So that came a week after my basketball coach. Uh, Abe helped to put together a, a program or an event that was working with local colleges, colleges that all don't share the same mission as us. We got together and, uh, and Abe and, and other coaches put together an event to help collect items for the St. Paul community. And so, as you know, what's going on in Minneapolis spilled over um, into St. Paul, which is the state capital, right? And so we're seeing the impact both culturally uh, we're seeing, you know, the fires were probably about a mile and a half away mm -hmm. uh, from our campus in St. Paul. And so, and there are a lot of people in need, you know, that $1,200 that the government gave some people just didn't go a long way. There are people who are, are hungry um, and are in need of uh, supplies and other things on a daily basis. And so um, to see our coaches get together and load up like three full 26 foot long truckloads 
uh, full of items for our community. We would have had more, but people came uh, to the point or came to the to to the uh, to the college where we were collecting items and picked up items right there. And I don't know what we would have done if they had not shown up at that point. So um, those kind of things just they uh, they confirm uh, these kind of times reveal. Um, the leadership that we have. They also, I think, help us as coaches understand that that apes as our students are learning. I think as an athletic director, I'm learning. And one of the things that I've learned is it's really hard. Like as a, as a black administrator, I think there was a time where everything was happening. We're now in St. Paul. We're at the epicenter of where protests, where um, some would say violent protests are, are happening. But um, there, there was a cry for help in our, in our city. And at some point, it's actually even hard for us to speak, right? And and I said to to my white colleagues in a meeting, I said, you know, I think people know what to expect if I, if I get out there and put out a statement. I actually need y'all to step up. And I think the thing that's been um, really important to me is that so many of my colleagues have stepped up. So many of our teams have stepped up and made statements um, regarding Black Lives Mattering. Uh, to them regarding Black Lives Mattering on this campus, uh, regarding, and they've even challenged me and said, Donnie, what are we going to do to not let, to, to not let this conversation die? And so I'm really excited about uh, the semester ahead of us, uh, which is going to allow us to have the tough conversations that I think in many years we've probably avoided. We've all had diversity initiatives and these other things that we've done, and they usually stop after the, the, working group comes together and then the topic gets old and then you move on to the next problem. Uh, I think this um, being at the epicenter and uh, it's unfortunate that, that George Floyd was murdered here. Uh, and I do believe that it has sparked something in people who at some point could not say Black Lives Matter uh, and will allow us to now implement uh, some changes, not just in society, but on our own campuses that'll help us move forward in a very positive way. Powerful, both of you guys stand for it. You know, I often talk about in the work that I do, I sort of have the expression, how are you showing up every day? What, what does it mean to show up every day? Whether it's whether, because, you know, sports don't define us. They're a part of our life. Um, the bigger picture is who you are. And I think to your guys' point is that interesting that uh, leads me to a question is sort of, so really what's changed now? from both of your standing. What, what's changed as a result of your white colleagues there really have sort of stepped up, Donnie, as you said, and have, you know, joined in saying, what can we do? How do we not let this die? Because that's always the danger of all these things that all of a sudden it just sort of fades. So from either of your standpoints, what, what's changed now? Yeah, I think, you know, and, and people talk about and I really like what Donnie just said, but, you know, this is all of this change. It's, it's kind of 400 years in the making. Right. And, and there's, there's this, the change that we all want will probably not happen in any of our lifetimes. Right. Tom, Donnie, myself, we, we probably won't be alive, but we're here now and, and the pendulum's starting to swing. So it was swinging one way for 400 years and now it's just starting to swing back the other way in some ways. And, it's our job while we're here to do what we can, you know, how we can. And um, I, for me, I, I think there's been greater empathy. I feel like people, people, a lot of people may not know always what to say, but I feel like they're asking the question of what, what should I do? 
they're listening more, um, they're speaking up more. Um, I think the empathy thing is, is biggest. And um, Donnie and I have a, a good friend um, who works at a local restaurant right on campus. Um, and, and he's come and he's talked to our team and everything. And I asked him, I looked him for guidance at times and I just said, what do you think? And he just said, you know, we need more decency, right? So it, it's, it just, and I feel that. And it's not every single person, but, um, but there is a movement. And I think that um, hopefully there'll be more, whether even specifically at McAllister, if it's just opening up the doors for, for more students of color and more faculty of color um, and more athletes of color, to be honest. And that's something that Donnie's done a great job challenging, not just myself, but our other coaches in the department is to actively recruit students of color, not just in Minnesota, but across the country. And, um, and it, is it easy? No, there are certain challenges, but um, it's not supposed to be easy. This work that we're doing is not supposed to be easy. So uh, it's going to take a lot of time and things aren't going to change overnight or, or like I even said in our lifetime. But while we're here, we have the moral obligation to do what we can to make things better. So. Cool. Cool. Donnie. Thank you, Abe. Yeah, I'll say in addition to, to Abe's comments, you know, what's changed is I think we, we are understanding that we're all on this continuum and that we're not all going to be perfect at it. So I think even um, as an African-American male, right, when I'm searching for the word sometimes, you know, our students are so far beyond where I am in their like social justice development and framework, right, that, that it, but that doesn't absolve me from like trying to learn, right? I need to get out there and try to get better every day. And so I think uh, what's changed is I think the challenge now is from our young leaders, even to our older leaders to say, we need y'all to be active participants in this. And so I think it, it's really interesting to hear our students um, put forth the challenge to coaches and administrators on a regular basis to say, how do, how do we solve this problem? And, and we need your help solving this problem. Uh, I think the other piece of what's changed is, um, and you mentioned it earlier, is just social media and our ability to, um, to have a greater impact through it. I think the, the one of the most recent instances that I've seen is um, Howard University's swim team has put out a challenge to, to many of the swim teams across the country. Uh, and ask them to step up and and to to not only talk uh, but to to bring action to change around uh, or within our swimming communities. And so to hear and see our coach right have a seven page tweet on um, expressing what um, not only uh, you know his understanding of social justice and how it changes, but him expressing to um, both his community that Black Lives Matter and the impact that he hopes to have on the world now. Like to me, it's extremely powerful. And then to have his whole, not to to tell his team we're going to do this, but to have his team work together to put together a message to, to let Howard University swim team know that a McAllister uh, stands with them and is here, uh, not just to talk the talk, but to, to be a part of the work. Um, to me, that's really important, and it's something that can be seen. And the other thing that's really important to me is now that we say it, say something that we can be held accountable to, right? And so how are we going to change that? And so I think Abe's talked about it. We're, we're talking about how do we recruit more diversity. We packed up 11 coaches, and we went down to Houston. We said we want a diverse city. Uh, we want 
we know Houston's got a ton of smart kids. Why don't we just load up and, and put a stick of flag in Houston and make it McAllister week in Houston. Um, so, uh, and we're also doing that in our backyard. COVID's put a, put a little uh, <laughs> rough that up, that plan up a little bit, but um, we will change. We will be different. We will look different. And a part of that is not only because of our students and their energy, uh, but also because social media is going to allow us to continue to make an impact in the work that we want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, thank you to both of you. And it's certainly what I hear a couple of things. One, um, being empathetic today. And I've always said that being empathetic, the first and foremost thing is that how do we really listen? How am I listening to Abe? How am I listening to Donnie? Because that's how we develop our empathy is when we really understand what you're saying. And there's some people who don't really listen. They say they're listening, but they're not really listening. They really deeply understand it. And the second thing is, is that to your point of how has your message changed you know, sort of very visibly as you go out and you plant your flags in Houston. What does that really mean? What impact does that have? And to me, what you're saying is, is that we want you to know where we stand. We want you to know what's important to us that melts with our values. At least that's what I hear. So kudos to both of you guys about, again, being thoughtful about what you're saying and and the importance of what's happening. The other thing, Abe, you had said it, the pendulum has swung a little bit over 400 years or is beginning to, but the important thing I picked up was it's the student athletes who are influencing our leaders. The two of you, we need you. We want you to be part of what we see is important, the change, the action we want to take. Are you on board with us? Not just leaders to student athletes be on board with us. And I think that's very powerful. So, um, I commend you for sort of instilling that. You obviously have students there that recognize that. So we have spent almost 40 minutes already. I could, as I said, I could be two hours here with you two people, but you're, you're busy people. So I have one last question, which you've all sort of talked about, but I'll ask it to you. With all of the stuff that's happening in society today, Black Lives Matters, the brutalities, the pandemic, which is completely upended society as the three of us know it. Um, what leadership lessons have you learned so far and are still learning? Start with either of you guys. I'll go. I'll, I'll go. I'll let Donnie finish up. But yeah. I've learned that it's so important to lean on others right now more than ever. And especially with this is just unprecedented times in so many ways. And especially with us being like Donnie mentioned, we're, we're in the epicenter of, of um, with George Floyd being killed and, and uh, th- these movements have been happening all over the world now. But so we, we have three team rules. I talk about, if you asked any of our players, like what our three team rules are, I think they would say number one is control what we can control Number two is have passion. Number three is be a great teammate. So when I got hired in April of 2018, I talked about those three rules with our, our, um, our players. And the, the first piece, control what you can control, is never more important than right now. There are a lot of things that are out of our control, but our, uh, we talk a lot about specifically the athletes, but, but really the non-athletes, your, your sleep, your, your diet, your, your training, your work ethic, your attitude. You have control over those. So obsess over those. The second piece is have passion. So passion isn't just when you're winning by 20 in a game and everyone's cheering. 
passion is like when you're down 20, how do you respond, right? It's, it's easy when, you know, if Donnie and I are teammates and Donnie hits a three and now we're up 20, it's easy for me on the bench to cheer. But what about if Donnie just missed a three and we're down 20, how, how do I respond as a, as a human being, as a teammate? And that's when he actually needs me the most. So passion just isn't when things are good, but, but when things aren't going so well. And then number three, our golden rule is be a great teammate. So again, I get these guys for four years and then they're going to move on, right? You get four years eligibility, five if you have an injury or whatever, and, and then you, you got to move on. So they're going to be husbands at some point. They're going to be fathers. They're going to be coworkers. They're going to be neighbors. Um, so being the great teammate is more important than ever now. And so th- those are things we talk about with our guys. And I, I talk about those all the time. That, that's sort of our, I don't want to have 20 rules because then I have to remember 20 rules. So we only have three. So, cause if the coach can't remember them, that's an issue. So, and, and my birthday is October 3rd. I kind of have this obsession with the number three, but um, yeah, it's, it's a really hard time right now. And I think we have to acknowledge that. I don't think you can run from that or hide. It's okay to have bad days. And we talked to our team about that, but that's going back to our third rule, be a great teammate. That's, that's why you're on a team. So when I'm having a bad day, I can lean on Tom and Donnie. When Tom's having a bad day, he can lean on, on Donnie, myself and so on. Um, so it's just continuing to reinforce that message and that thought um, and just being more empathetic, like I said, Tom, because we're, we're all kind of going through our own journey. We're, we all have struggles. And um, if we could just try to hear people more and actually listen and be more empathetic, um, I, I think we'd all be better off. So, Thank you, Abe. Thank you. Donnie? Hey, thank you. Thank you, Abe. And um, it's, Tom, I challenge all of our, our coaches on their, their core values and their, like, age three-team rules, and I ask them, what are the things that people hear uh, you say every day? And, and you know, the hope is is that at some point uh, Abe stops talking, and then when his captains talk, Abe's voice actually comes out of their mouth, right? And that's, that's how we know uh, we, we've done the right things. And so um, – I will say, um, as I watch our coaches lead, I think the one lesson that I'm even learning myself is, is that um, communication is key and even naturally hard during this time, right? And we want to give people all the information that we can, um, but it, but it's really tough if we're going to do it. Um, we're going to do it accurately, and so uh, we're getting. Every institution right now is getting a, cl- a crash course in uh, communication uh, during crisis. Um, and so for me, I think the, the thing that is also most important to me right now is realizing that I don't have to have all the answers, but you have a team for a reason, right? And the answers are within this team. So Abe is probably sick of all of the committee emails that he's getting, but I'm a firm believer that that we put this team together for a reason, right? And the right answers exist with the people in the room. We don't have to go pay a consultant to tell us what to do or how to do this. Uh, we can bring in experts, right? But uh, many of the ex- much of the expertise that we need exists in the room. And so um, I'm asking people who've been trained to lead since they were like four or five in youth league who are now leaders in their professional careers uh, to help us lead this thing. And as a leader, the thing that I could also do is to just sit back and listen. Like I, 
I don't have the right answers sometimes, and I don't always have to have them. Uh, but I, I truly get a chance to work every day with some brilliant folks. Um, so as we're making decisions about how we return and what that looks like, uh, you, we don't always have to feel the pressure to, to, to have the right answer right now. Um, uh, I was reading, you know, I've read a book called The Pause Principle. And so one of the things that I often say is I'm not going to jump right in and I can't give you an answer right now. Um, let me think about this, reflect, reflect, take a day, take a week even um, before I come back and deliver something that I, that I know is the right answer versus trying to give the answer that people want to hear. Um, or the answer I think that they want to hear. Um, those are just kind of two things that I've been leaning on. The last is we developed uh, core values as a program um, uh, almost a year ago now. And when we came up with these core values, it was hard. But like we, like Abe said, you don't want five things that nobody can remember. Um, and you're going to be tested on your core values every day. Like there is something that is going to test the core values of your organization every day. And that's okay. Uh, we should be training and preparing for it. And so you'll see um, our core values just uh, over my head right here. Uh, community, you know, what, what we're doing, we're doing this to unite. Uh, ultimately, um, one of my favorite values is the develop. I love to see our young athletes and even our coaches develop. The last one is going to be really hard for everybody this year. You know, last spring we saw the NBA shut down. And the next day, the NCAA canceled championships and ultimately most teams canceled their spring trips and the rest of the games for the year. Um, compete is, is something, though, that to me, I'm starting to like morph my thoughts about and to say to compete doesn't mean that, like I really want to be St. Thomas this year before they move to Division One. I want to say that clearly and loudly, right? That's the goal, Abe, right? <laughs> to be St. Thomas before they go to Division One. Um, but if I get to see our students compete against each other in the weight room. If we're lucky enough to even get a friendly scrimmage versus Hamlin um, uh, or our friends down the road, Carlton, like if we get to do that, then I'd still be happy. But I'm reframing my, my mind around compete. You know, I want us to still do better than non-student athletes in the classroom. I still want us to compete in the weight room. Um, but, you know, what – COVID has done is revealed that we can do all of these things. They just will look a little bit different. The classroom experience, the dorm room experience is going to look different this year too. Um, but that doesn't mean that compete has to change. We, we still want to be competitive in everything we do. So I'll stop there. Wow. Um, thank you for, to both of you for, for that. Um, remember Ed Bradley of uh, 60 Minutes? Yeah. yeah. 60 Minutes? He said something years ago that was pretty interesting. He said, sometimes you just have to wait to talk. You don't have to have the answer right away. And I talk about all the line. It's almost like I was, what you guys are saying, you might've heard me some, but I know it's from you. And it is that we sometimes don't have to have all the answers because uncertainty envelops all of us right now. It's part of our lives. And the ability to be authentic means I'm human too, and I want you to know that I'm not perfect, but I want to listen to you so I can learn. Um, thank you to both of you. for I could talk to you for hours, but um, two things. I wish you good luck as your plans unfold, number one. Number two, um, whatever you do, I'm sure will be in the best interest of McAllister and your students and your student athletes and for your community. Um, 
keep doing what you are doing. Um, I applaud you and I've appreciated you uh, being with me and I really appreciate being with you. So um, thank you all. Uh, we'll keep in touch and uh, be safe. Thank you, Tom. Thanks. Thanks so much for having us. Thank you.